You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Jill Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 144 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio uh, by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, the one and only Mr. Rick Stevens. And Rick... We are at the end of what was a magical playoff run. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing fine. Um, yeah. Yes, it was uh, amazing. It was magical. Um, it was it was certainly unexpected, um, but just a, a a wonderful a wonderful time uh, to be a Montreal Canadiens fan and and to be talking about the Montreal Canadiens yeah. and and certainly. Um, Expected or not, uh, the you know for for them to get in the the Stanley Cup final, um, and and maybe there there wasn't a lot of, of belief other than with the players. Still, when it's when it ends, it hurts. It it, yeah. it hurts. It was tough. Yeah. Uh, tough on the players. We saw that. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, but it's it was tough on on all of us, our team. Um, yeah. And it's taken a couple of days to kind of. You know, try and put things into uh, perspective, and and uh, and and the 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 odd thing with this, it, it was a compressed season. Now it's going to be a compressed off season. Yeah, uh, you don't really have time to catch your breath. There's a lot going no. on, <laughs> and it's all going to start happening um, very quickly. So, um, but uh, you know, it's good to see that um, that you 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 look quite different today yeah. than yeah. you have a little bit a little bit um, different. Yeah. Yeah, you're ready for this next uh, this next stretch. Yeah, uh, yeah. The playoff beard is gone. Mm-hmm. You're looking pretty good. I appreciate it. I mean, I had to join the. I guess when the playoffs end, you sort of, you know, you can keep the beard, but that's a bit of a cop out. You have to get rid of it. It's the playoff beard, right? Like, there's something special about a playoff beard that at the end of it, you can't have it anymore. It's done. So you have to move on and start anew. And that's basically what the Montreal Canadiens have to do at this point. So I thought that that was pretty uh, pretty poetic there. Very wise. Um, and poetic. Yeah, and I was happy to join you as well on the clean-shaven 
side of things or the clo- <laughs> the pretty close to clean shaven. Yeah, it's it was odd because yes, um, my playoff ritual. I had the playoff beard uh, in the first round, and and with the Canadians down three to one in the series to the Leafs. Uh, knew I had to do something different, something, mm-hmm. something, you know, maybe, maybe drastic. Um, I shaved, um, and, and the Canadians went on a bit of a run. And so that what became my playoff ritual was, uh, and each of us in the, the rock yeah. sports team, uh, we had rituals and, and, uh, uh, Brian, Brian Clark was our, our, uh, ritual taskmaster, making sure mm-hmm. we were keeping to the rituals. He had that, uh, shirt that he would put in a, in a, a, a glad bag and leave out on his porch every day to, and, and bring it in and then, and then wear it. Um, and, uh, you know, each of us had our own, but I, I started shaving and, and so now I've let it go for a couple of days and, yeah, and I yeah. don't know what, what's going to end up for the, the off season. Uh, but on the list of things is, um, you know, it's been seven, 17 months for this, uh, without yeah. a hair, and that had nothing to do with playoffs that had no, to do with COVID. No. So, uh, that's going to be on the agenda is yeah, uh, to get a to-do haircut list. before the training camp <laughs> begins, whenever that is. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, but you could keep it going. You could you could you keep so? it going. Is yeah, look? I think yeah. so. I think it's a good look. I think it is. Well, Maybe we'll, we'll throw it out a poll. Maybe in the, in the internal Slack, we'll throw it out in a poll if, if you should keep it. or uh, uh, That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. But obviously your comfort is the most important thing here because it is you that has... The uh, long, luxur- luxurious locks of hair there. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, see, we'll see how uh, we'll see if it gets in the way as as yeah. we uh, as we move to other things. I'll be, you know, um, we'll, we'll still be here. We'll be here every week. Yeah. Uh, we'll still be putting uh, content out every day on on allhabs.net. Uh, but we the pace might be uh, you know we, we need to enjoy some of the summer i my mm-hmm. garden needs attention yeah uh you need to focus on your your um you know passion and uh, you know the the mma and and the ufc yeah, fights for and sure. all that so absolutely there, lots going on lots going absolutely. on absolutely and yeah that's the, that's it right at the end of the nhl playoffs you want to find something to dive into and hey if you're looking for something ufc 264. It's McGregor versus Poirier 3, and it's all set for UFC 264. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. You just pick six fighters, you stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. And plus, don't forget about basketball, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's the McGregor vs. Poirier rubber match. Get in on all the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. But yes, Rick. 
the THPN um, mm-hmm. a promo code. That's the Hockey Podcast Network. We're a proud affiliate. Uh, the guys at the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, Isha and Dylan. That's one of the things I'm going to be doing in the offseason um, is working a bit with them and, and uh, coming up with new uh, creative ideas for you. So uh, And we'll have those out over the, the next week or two. So um, watch. Uh, watch the, It's just one of the, the many advantages of us being associated with DraftKings, with the Hockey Podcast Network, and, and the ability to bring you um, things that, whether it be... Uh, uh, discounts and promo codes uh, or like we had our, our jersey contest. Uh, Nancy, who yeah. uh, in BC got her uh, Tyler Toffoli jersey um, in oh, time for the uh, perfect. for the for the finals. That was uh, that was pretty terrific. That lined up perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, exactly. That'll be interesting uh, to watch. And Rick, so the Stanley Cup final, right? That's the uh, that's the elephant in the room here, right? We know we've, we've danced around it a little bit. Uh, and, he, and he touched on, of course, sort of the the, the way that it ended and, and sort of the heartbreaking nature for Montreal Canadiens fans. So let's let's dive in in just a few moments to the games four and five of that series. But first, we'll tee up what's coming up later on in the show. So, Rick, obviously, end of season, you always get the players, the locker room cleanouts and, the you know, the meetings with the media that come with that. So we're going to get to some of that some of that in segment number two, some quotes from Corey Perry, Paul Byron, Ben Chirot, and Mark Bergevin. In the first segment, before we get to any of that, we're going to go into a Stanley Cup's final review. We've got a Habs prospect report and an, actually an injury update, too, because we touched on last week, Rick. You know, there was the injury report was clean. There was the Canadians were <laughs> didn't have any sort of injuries on the injury report. But, of course, in the playoffs... You find out about some injuries. Uh, the walking and, and wounded, as they call yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And we found out about who they, in fact, were this week. So we're going to get to that in a few moments from now. And in segment three, the Have Your Say segment, uh, we got a question of the week. What was your favorite moment of the Habs Cup run? And we've got some interesting answers from the All-Habs team with respect to that question. But, Rick, before we go any further... Games four and five of the Stanley Cup final. And Rick, last week we teed up game four. You know, the Canadians down 3-0 in the series. Not a place where many teams come back from. The Canadians had one job in game four. That was to extend the series, to get it to Tampa Bay, and try from there to get it back to Montreal for game six and hopefully game seven uh, in Tampa Bay. But they had to get game four first. And they did. Josh Anderson with two goals, including the OT winner. Carey Price with 32 saves. And the Habs extended the series with a big performance with their backs against the wall, which they did so often this season. And that was a great thing to see. Four-minute penalty kill. My goodness, that was... And Shea Weber in in the box, right? Like, that was... And and Dominique Ducharme touched on that. That's not a way that you want your season to end. You don't want that to end. For the way that Shea Weber played throughout the playoffs, that was a huge moment. To, to not lose that way, <laughs> that would have been a, a crushing way to lose. And then to end up winning it with uh, Josh Anderson, uh, diving play uh, and, you know, showing a bit more of that power horse that we saw in the regular season. Um, but yeah, Rick, they extended the series back to Tampa Bay for game five. And game five uh, was ultimately uh, where the series would end, unfortunately, in a one nothing loss. Uh, Ross Colton scored the only goal of the game in the second period. The Canadians with only 22 shots on the night. Uh, Carey Price did all that he could to keep the Habs 
in it, but no offense to support him. And the Lightning uh, win their second straight Stanley Cup. And uh, yeah, Rick, it was it was a bit of a crushing way for the season to end. Uh, but you know what? The Tampa Bay Lightning, and, and we saw it, right? They are they are the class of, of the NHL with respect to their talent level. They are incredible. Uh, and uh, yeah, they, they got it done. They got, you know, uh, John Cooper asked, are you, are you satisfied? Are you still hungry? How do you want to be remembered? Asked all of those questions. And then they answered them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, Shea Weber, uh, we'll hear from uh, the players a mm-hmm. bit later, but uh, Shea Weber said they were just the better team. And, and, but going through the playoffs, um, I think it's fair to say that in each round, starting with the first round, um, obviously the, the Canadians were underdog, but they played against a better team, a more talented team. Uh, they just happened to come together and, and got tremendous goaltending, Carey Price mm-hmm. stealing, stealing games, stealing series um, uh, to propel them in, into the final. But the, 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 the Lightning, and particularly in that Game 5, um, they were they were smothering the Canadians. Uh, the yeah. Canadians were uh, a- everywhere on the ice. They they couldn't make a pass. They couldn't have a zone entry, and it was just kind of uh, shoot it in and try and get it back. And and yeah. uh, uh, they couldn't amount any kind of offense at all. The it was just uh, the Lightning. Even the score, though the score was close, the Lightning heavily outplayed uh, the Canadians. Yeah. It, it was. And and really through the series, it was just an onslaught of, of um, they they had depth all the way through the lineup. Uh, the defense was um, impenetrable. Uh, the Canadians couldn't get near Vasilevsky, and and uh, um, it just and and uh, then at the other end they they exploited the floor for Clydesdales uh, mm-hmm. um, in in a way that that hadn't be, been done in the first three series. Yeah. So um, listen, full credit to to Tampa, a great great team, great roster. Um, uh, well built, um, both uh, Iserman built by both Iserman and Brisebois, uh, and then extremely well coached. Uh, John Cooper had yeah. a plan, and he completely dismantled uh, all of the things that uh, that had been working for the Canadians in in the previous rounds. And he watched what what the other team, particularly Vegas, what had worked for Vegas, and they, the the Tampa Bay Lightning just did it better than the other teams. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, full credit there. Uh, Canadians had some some you know they had some issues on defense with playing yeah. primarily four defensemen and wearing those guys down, and then had serious. Dif- I mean, uh, it's it, not only in the playoffs but through the season. And how many years has this been uh, an issue with the Canadians not being able to uh, have a you know a, a potent offensive attack? Uh, the power play, my goodness! Um, yeah, just yeah, they they couldn't get uh, anything going on the power play in that last game. It was it was tough. It was it was tough yeah. to watch, uh, given that they had come so far and were three wins away from uh, yeah. what would have been a very um, um, underdog uh, Stanley Cup. Yeah, it, it's you know obviously, and that's the toughest part, right? You you came that far. And you get that far you want to win, of course, because then you have to start all over again. There's there's one team that wins. There's 30 teams every year that are in the same spot that have to try and get back and get to that point. 
And the one thing, Rick, and we'll file this in a way in things that we'll never know, is how different might that, and, and, you know, obviously I don't think it plays too much of a factor, but, you know, when you saw Romanoff and Kulak inserted in for Gustafson and Merrill, you got some positive results from that. You got the goal from Romanoff, you got a couple rush from uh, rushes from Brett Kulak. If you do that a little bit earlier, perhaps you don't put the burden on Weber and Petrie and Sherratt yeah, and Edmondson. Sure. Like that, that's one thing, you know, that's the only thing that I'll say, right? And and you can you can talk about it was a it was a magical run. It absolutely was. That's the one thing. And we'll file it away in things that we just won't know the answer to. But I would have loved to, to have been able to see Alexander Romanov play a few more games. And of course, you get to this point in the season, chemistry plays a big part. Like, listen, it's you get to this point, it's not always about who has, and Jack Armstrong, the Raptors color guy, always says this, it's not always about who has the five best, it's about who has the best five. Chemistry plays an important part, and you had two guys in Gustafson and Merrill that were brought in midseason that hadn't really, and they weren't playing together, but, you know, you couldn't even, you couldn't uh, entertain that thought at all with those two because they don't have chemistry. At least with Romanoff and Kulak, you could go back to, to games in the regular season but regardless rick yeah it, it might not have been enough because the tampa bay lightning were simply that good they are incredible they are well coached a well put together team uh julian brisebois added to this team and of course we talked about it with sergachev and savard as your third pair i mean and we're going to get into all of this a little bit later on in the show but rick yeah it was just it was just a lot to overcome for the canadians yeah no and and i think um I think you're right uh, that uh, the, the the Canadians had some gaps. They had some gaps that were there that were in the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, compliment Mark Bergevin all, all you wish, but uh, he had some. Uh, he left some holes in the lineup. Yeah. Um, and uh, kudos to to Dominic Ducharme and 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 Luke Richardson for filling in and Sean Burke and. Uh, Alex yeah. Burroughs, but um, there was some inexperience on uh, yeah. in the coaching staff, and um, yeah, uh, um, sure, uh, Romanoff and and uh, Kulak Kulak made some mistakes, but um, uh, any more than Gustafson and Merrill? No, of course not. Yeah. Uh, and and maybe those mistakes would have been uh, reduced had they had the benefit of, of 22 games, um, of, of playoff experience. Um, it, it was, it, it, that was, that was, uh, one of the more bizarre moves as well. Uh, when you have, uh, a lack of offense, um, mm-hmm. you sit, um, Kakanyemi, uh, for the yeah. final two games. Kakanyemi had five goals in the playoffs. That's second tied for second. That's second, um, the Canadians didn't score a lot of goals. Yeah. Uh, um, Nick Suzuki led with seven, and there was a bunch of people at five. Uh, one of those uh, was Kotkaniemi, and um, maybe the Canadians could have used him uh, in 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 the final two games. He was an odd choice, and and that's yeah. not to say that that Evans shouldn't have come into the lineup, but but maybe not for uh, Kotkaniemi. And it seems that um, that was always the the trigger point for Ducharme that that uh, anytime uh, there was pressure on that that uh, his forward lineup it was Kotkaniemi who suffered yeah um, and um, you know um, his reliance on Phil Deneau Phil Deneau in 22 games playing first line um, uh, p- playing 19 minutes a game 
he had one goal in the playoffs, one goal in 22 games. I understand that's not his role, but, uh, you know, if you're comparing yourself or trying to compare yourself to to the greatest uh, two-way p- players uh, in the game, uh, there's a second part to that. There's, that a, there's a second way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? there's a second way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well said. Yeah. Um, so there, and and yes, well, I I, I guess today is is uh, uh, is of kind unpacking. of a, a, a free flowing uh, yeah. conversation to unpack this week. And, yeah. and, and an awful lot has happened, and we've got a lot of thoughts, and and uh, uh, we'll try and and share all those yeah. with you because I know that that Canadians fans are feeling the same thing. They've got all these these yeah. uh, random thoughts going on in their head. And as soon as you man- mention something, it triggers. It goes, and, and, and yeah, yeah <laughs> we see that on, on social media. We see it on our yeah. Facebook, all Habs Facebook page. I've gotten all kinds of uh, emails. And, and uh, so we want to discuss the things that uh, you're thinking about, you're talking about, and we'll try to do all of that today. Yeah, a lot to unpack here. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll do the best that we can, as we always do here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Um, Rick, so we'll, we'll move on. And of course, we should say that uh, before we do that, you have crafted game reviews for games four and five that we just discussed moments ago. They're over at allhabs.net and you want to check those out. Um, and certainly other great content at allhabs.net. You got Chris's notepad. You got the three stars of the week that I do every that comes out every Sunday on allhabs.net. And last week, Rick, you know, and we talked about it, and you did a great job last week of un, of diving in and and going through every goal that happened in Game Three and doing what you could because at that point. You know, we've we've talked about it before, man. It doesn't take much for the for the knives to come out for Carey Price, right? Like he said, was it not that he set the all time wins record or something to that effect? And then and then like a week later, the knives were out for Carey Price yeah. again. Like like it doesn't matter what he does, it'll always circle back. And so last week, I tried to carry on from what you did such a great job of doing and trying to absolve Carey Price of that criticism of that blame. And I did that by giving Price my first star because I could not in good faith give it to anybody else because for the first three games of the series, and we talked about it, the turnovers, the miscues, the terrible line change leading to a clean two-on-o break with, as you pointed out, it had to have been Andre Palat and Nikita Kucherov, because yeah, really. who else would it have been, right? <laughs> right? It was the same thing as game five against the Leafs, because you get a two-on-oh. It was, for Montreal, it was Suzuki and Caulfield. It has to be. It's going to be, you get a clean two-on-oh. It's going to be the two best players offensively on that team. And sure enough, it was. Carey Price could do nothing to stop anything that happened through games one to three. He couldn't. There just wasn't a way. And he still was making saves, like the... The the, uh, the Stamkos won in game one, the glove save. You talked about last week the uh, wraparound save that in real time you would have thought hit the side of the net, but Price got over there yeah. and was able to make that save. And, you know, he just kept adding to the long list of any you go back. And how many how many saves through this run are you going to look back on and be like, my God, how did he make that save? Like it started with Mitch Marner in game one. Right, that two uh, that two on one 
blocker save, ridiculous blocker save. Yeah. Then it was like, okay, how is he ever going to top that? And then in the same series, he made the stick save on Jason Spezza, Spezza and you're yeah. like, okay, he's just going to keep trying to top. He's going to keep topping it. It's not even good. He's going to keep trying to top it. He is going to keep topping himself, and he did all playoff long, and he did in games four and five. Um, you know, he he gave the Canadians a chance. He did all that he could to keep the Canadians in that series. And he just did not get the support. And that was especially evident through games one and one through three. And, you know, obviously at that point, a lot of people were eager to point out and say, well, listen, he's not controlling rebounds. That Hedman point shot squeak, you know, squeak through. He wasn't able to control it, this and that and the other. When when you look at what was happening in front of him, there was nothing. There was nothing going on. So I could not in good faith give it to anybody but Carey Price. I gave the third star to Shea Weber and the second star to Nick Suzuki. And with with all due respect to those two guys, they, they would not have entered the conversation for first star of the week because there was nobody, none of the Montreal Canadian skaters deserved that sort of to be distinguished in that way. Carey Price did because he was the only guy that through the first three games really uh, did what he could to give the Canadians an opportunity to win. There was just way too many turnovers and and way too many mistakes, unfortunately. And against a team like Tampa Bay, you're not going to get very far making those types of mistakes. No, and I understand that that much of of the negative narrative that is driven, um, and, and, and much of it's driven by... Uh, some of the mainstream media, they don't like him. They don't like Carey Price. They don't like how much money he makes. They don't like that he isn't, um, you know, uh, uh, dynamic in his in his interviews. They don't they don't get a uh, um, and and he's the reason he isn't, uh, or they are the reason yeah. he isn't. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they don't like him. So they any any opportunity they have. I, I, I saw one, uh, and I won't mention who it is, but. It, uh, in the mainstream media, said Price was irrelevant in the. Uh, he may have played okay in the, in the first two rounds. He was irrelevant in the the um, uh, Vegas series. Um, wasn't a factor at all, and was just uh, playing bad in in the final. I mean, that that kind of really stupid analysis is indefensible. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we went and and I know that that for 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 some people when you hear these things. And then they say, "Oh, well, look at his goals against, or his save percentage, or whatever." Um, but but we went through very carefully last week, uh, goal by goal, and um, and as 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 some of the the analysts say that uh, when go, when he gets to a place, and and uh, a, a you know a, a, a puck uh, squeaks through, that's more of a, a um, indication of. Of uh, the fact that he was almost there, that he he of of his greatness, then then yeah. if he was beat clean, yeah, um, and and that's what people don't understand. And and uh, I talked about Mike McKenna, the goalie analyst, uh, last week. Um, I've talked about uh, Steve Alaquette. Uh, I've talked about uh, the number of goalie scouts and people I talked to uh, as one of the one of the greatest of all time and and um, and and best positional goaltenders and and uh, I thought it was interesting that um, even in TVR um, uh, that uh, TVR Sport uh, website um, they said uh, 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 the Canadians lost the final but Carey Price gained 
uh, back a whole lot of respect and saying mm-hmm. that uh, he may not have won the Stanley Cup, but he has certainly proven that he is still the game's best. And those who are uh, doubt that are being dishonest with you. And I thought, I you know, I couldn't have said that better. And there's a mainstream yeah. um, a media source who... Um, have have finally <laughs> come and uh, shared the kind of truth uh, that that we've been saying for for a while. Uh, so yes, uh, the long way of saying uh, mm-hmm. your your uh, um, uh, pick last week was certainly just Shea Weber. Um, yeah. I was going through the the playoff stats and just kind of picking you know poking through and and uh, Shea Weber twenty five minutes uh, a game averaging through the playoffs in twenty two games. He was the only. And and plus they say plus minus is not uh, an absolute stati- statistic, but it can be used in certain ways. And certainly when you're comparing it to the rest of the team, the Montreal Canadiens were a minus uh, team throughout the playoffs, um, and and that's you know that's because the games they won were close games. Shea yeah. Weber was a plus four. Shea Weber was the only player, yeah, only regular player who was in the pluses. Um, mm-hmm. for, Shea Weber was phenomenal, yeah. um, and and even playing with a, an injury. So uh, again, a, a wise pick by you and Suzuki was was uh, tremendous as well. So um, yeah. I'm interested to see um, your your overall your your yeah your, year um, end year end kind of trophy, and and um, we're yeah. going to be talking about the the Gritty Bob Trophy Award a little later, yeah. and, and uh, <laughs> next week or or whenever we're going to be when all the tabulations are done. I met and I imagine those mathematical calculations are yeah very difficult to do, but yes, at some point exactly, we're going to yeah. be uh, uh, hearing your yeah. your uh, final results uh, for Absolutely. the three stars of the year. And I'm very excited to share those. And yeah, we certainly got much more of a you know, a, a larger sort of window of time here for the Canadians playing hockey games that extended out much lo- uh, much longer than I thought it would. So it's going to mm-hmm. be very interesting to see. Now, I did a midseason update back uh, when the Canadians were off for that week. So it'll be interesting to see once I do all the mathematics and figure all of that out, who exactly are the three stars of the season based on this long playoff run that we got. That's going to be very, very interesting to see and see how things change uh, based on that. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Shea Weber, and I did mention in, in the article, right? Is I mean, this is the same guy that got out of a ten to one loss at even. So I mean, it's it's <laughs> it, it makes it makes complete sense that yeah. he gets out of this uh, a plus four. It's just you know, and yeah, obviously plus minus uh, not individually something that you know I think is is uh, a great metric of tracking a player's impact. But when you look at it comparatively. Yeah, that's where you get that's 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 where you get it. And that's where Shea Weber, as you point out, is been uh, he he was incredible. And Rick, that leads quite naturally, as you mentioned, is playing hurt uh, and playing lots of minutes hurt. uh, 25 minutes uh, time on ice. And he is one of a few Canadian skaters that were nursing uh, some injuries. We knew that Weber had the thumb injury. Uh, we knew that Jeff Petrie was also dealing. And we remember back to when he got his fingers snatched in that uh, photography hole there along the glass. We knew that he was dealing with something. But there were a few guys that, or a couple, I should say. I think we knew that Brendan Gallagher was a little bit, uh, he was dealing with some stuff. We knew that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to Foley and Eric Stahl, uh, Eric Eric Stahl had been dealing with back and neck issues and a pectoral strain. And Tyler Toffoli, as you pointed out, you, you thought that there might be something going on with Tyler Toffoli. Uh, and uh, you turned out to be correct. He had, a, he had a groin injury. So 
Yeah, the Canadians, as as you expect, on a on a grueling playoff run, you get to this point, you're going to be a little bit banged up, and the Canadians were for sure. And um, interesting, and 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 again, we'll we'll have opportunities to evaluate coaching, but uh, there there once the season's over, and once these injuries are revealed, uh, the talk again started about Kakinyemi healthy over. Uh, and 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 uh, scratch the final two games over uh, some players who were who are quite injured. Yeah. Um, Shea Weber, it's going to be interesting to watch him. We we knew about his thumb injury. Uh, is it going to require surgery? Uh, Dominic Ducharme said he didn't know. That's going to be evaluated, but didn't think that he would. Thought whatever happens, he's going to be ready uh, for training camp. Um, Brandon Gallagher, that that you know, we we saw his uh, uh, the, the the gash on the head that he took. We saw, saw his facial injuries, uh, and also dealing with a, a groin injury. He didn't he didn't look his, himself, and that's two playoff um, runs in a row that that he wasn't a big contributor uh, in the goal scoring department. Um, yeah, and uh, really unfortunate with him. Uh, coming back and he uh, that yeah the, the video his home was robbed um uh, you were you had mentioned about the 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 tiktok video that he put up yeah yeah um, the uh, the pitbull reference was was pretty good but and and good humor in a situation where my god yeah uh, just a debilitating 24 hours to lose to come that close three wins away from a stanley cup to come home to find that you've been robbed just just brutal, absolutely and brutal. We know that that Eric Stahl didn't play um, every single game of the playoffs, and and there there was reason for that. And he said the training staff was very good in helping him with his um, existing kind of neck yeah. and and back issues. The pectoral strain was different because that really affected his ability to to uh, be strong on the faceoffs, and we saw yeah. that that he had some difficulty uh, in the Vegas series about that. Um, Tyler Toffoli didn't want to talk about his uh, groin injury and said that that wasn't um, uh, to be excused for his lack of production uh, that went back to uh, the semifinals to round three and uh, and, and continued um, into the final. Um, uh, Jake Evans, um, not in it. Well, we know Jake Evans was was injured um, in the, uh, the incident with Shifley and in round two, um, it was funny because when Jake Evans came back and played his first game, um, uh, reporters were all over him, wanting to know how he felt about uh, Shifley, and that was during that was during the, the the playoffs. And he said, "No, I'm not talking about now. I'll I'll talk about it at the end of the season." Um, and yesterday he was, uh, "No, I'm not talking about it. I'm not going back to it. I don't have to talk about it." Um, so. Uh, <laughs> Um, I, I'm I'm not going to. Uh, I, I want to focus forward and and good on him for a young yeah. player, kind of taking control of that situation. Uh, and the last one you mentioned, uh, Jeff Petrie. Um, I, I guess the what we thought, what we heard, what um, was speculated, is that he he had two dislocated uh, fingers um, caught in that photo hole. Uh, that wasn't the case. He had a broken pinky finger. Uh, that was taped uh, to his ring finger uh, through the playoffs, and 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 the eyes, right? The the bloodshot yeah. eyes, and there was speculation about whether it was painkillers that had caused that. He said no. Uh, he said once he broke his finger, it was sideways when it came out of his glove, 
and uh, to reset it, to set it back in place uh, was obviously very mm. painful. Uh, Jeff yeah. Petrie passed out when that happened. When he passed out, it broke all the blood vessels in his eyes, and that's why he had that scary, scary look. Uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, th- these are these are gruesome stories. Yeah, uh, just, yeah, and the Petrie one, you know, because you hear about this at the end of a playoff run, you hear about injuries that guys have been dealing with, but given the nature of, because, you know, when that first happened, when you saw Petrie come out with the red eyes against Vegas, you're like, what's going on with his eyes? And we didn't know the answer. To find out the answer to why that happened, and, you know, and then to think back on Julie Petrie, who, who tweeted, I believe. Uh, on her that, um, Instagram story, or, I think. Or yeah. put on her Instagram story yeah. that it was, it uh, it doesn't look, it didn't look as bad as it did, and it doesn't hurt. And it's like, how does that, how did, okay, so it looked worse than that. And also, how does it not hurt? Like, you have to think that that would hurt a little bit. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> but so, yeah, the, the playoff warriors, the walking wounded, as you said, and they very much were. So, and especially a credit, I guess, to, uh, well, a credit to all of them, but especially uh, Weber and Petrie for eating up the minutes that they had to play for the Canadians to have a chance to to get to where they got. They, those guys were, were playing through uh, some incredible... Uh, Incredible pain, you'd, you'd for have sure. to think, it, especially the minutes that they were playing and the, the heavy minutes, right, for Shea Weber uh, especially. So that's uh, that's a credit to those guys. But regardless, Rick, we'll move on. And uh, some some interesting news, Rick, and, and one that a piece of news that, given all of the news that has come out, might not necessarily grab the attention of Habs fans, but... An interesting story, nonetheless, uh, with Pierre Allard, who has resigned and will officially leave the team at the end of the month. At the end of the month, after the draft, and of course, uh, he's involved in that. Pierre Allard, uh, some think of him as the uh, conditioning coach, but he, but he's actually the uh, uh, director of uh, sports science and performance, mm-hmm. and 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 he does a lot with respect to. Uh, testing and gathering data and analyzing the metrics and setting benchmarks and uh, and kind of an innovator in that field uh, for the NHL uh, right at the forefront and the the stuff he does is fascinating um, he's been with the organization for about 10 years um, and he's going to to uh, I guess the the same role uh, with uh, Red Bull Munich um, in Germany. And, and it seems kind of an odd, um, you know, he, he, that's where he came from before he came from the Canadians. It seems like uh, a, a guy who's so respected in his field and, and, uh, um, and in the NHL to, to take that move. Uh, we don't know what's behind it. And as you said, given everything that's happened this week, kind of gone under the radar. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be looking to see if... Uh, um, if there are other moves and, and, uh, and if we can get more information about that. And I remember back when we were, you know, in the pandemic, when we were hearing from, you know, having conference calls with, uh, Canadians, uh, you know, front office and coaching staff and Pierre Lard was one of those guys and we were listening yeah. and it was fascinating stuff and he's, yeah, obviously very good at what he does. So yeah, an interesting move there, a very interesting move there. Um, so we'll see what, what comes of that. But, Rick, uh, we'll move on and have a uh, Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. 
AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So, Rick, uh, the Trois-Rivières Lions, and we've been following the franchise, the new ECHL franchise for the Montreal Canadiens, and, and seeing some of the signings that have happened both in Laval and with Trois-Rivières. And we've seen there's been a bit of a... Um, Theme? Say a concerted, yeah, a theme, a theme. Yeah, that's a great word, a theme, uh, with respect to who is being signed uh, by those two teams. We we've seen, uh, yeah, we've seen Laval Rocket um, sign a number of uh, two-way contracts, two-way AHL contracts, yes. so that uh, a number of players uh, would be eligible, or or um, you know would be um, even destined to play for Trois Rivières, but. On Friday, it was the first day where the the um, the Lions um, uh, announced signings on their own, uh, and yes, they, they announced yeah. the signings of, of five players. Uh, again, they in in uh, in meeting that theme, uh, General Manager um, uh, Mark Andre Bergeron um, said, uh, "We strongly, I, I think uh, our message on Friday is pretty clear." We strongly have demonstrated that the players we want are Quebecers. Um, he, he was he was yeah. just flat out. Uh, we want Quebecers, and that's who they got: um, two forwards, three defensemen. Uh, Alexei Daou um, played last year in Slovakia. Uh, Guillaume Baudouin. Um, uh, he was in uh, in Europe as well. Uh, Olivier Archambault. Archambault was. Uh, uh, fourth round pick that was back in uh, 2011. I remember him from uh, the Bulldogs. Uh, Matthew Gagnon. Um, he he's uh, uh, an ECHL veteran. He played for the Wichita Thunder last year. I remember him, and we interviewed him when he was with the Brampton Beast. Um, and Matthew Brodeur. Uh, Matthew Brodeur is uh, a defenseman. Is a giant. He's six six or so. Um, he played for the Fort Wayne Comets. Um, uh, last year, and if you've been uh, listening to um, the Press Zone Montreal, you'll know that the uh, the Fort Wayne Comets were the um, uh, winners of uh, the Kelly Cup in the ECHL this past winter. So he is he is a uh, a, a winner from uh, the Fort Wayne Comets, and will be added to the blue line of. Uh, of the Trois Rivières Lions, they're obviously, um, uh, you know, th- this is this is a marketing. Uh, they're, they're not only building a team, but uh, it's marketing as well, and and uh, they're wanting to bring in uh, fans uh, um, to cheer on names that uh, they might be familiar with from their days. E- each of these five players had have played in the queue at some point. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, a concerted effort there, uh, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it works out uh, that way. But Rick, uh, we'll move on because Rick, a, a story that we've been tracking the last little while uh, has been surrounding Joel Bouchard and whether or not he would return to the fold as the head coach of the Laval Rocket uh, for next season. And uh, it turned out to be that he will not be returning <laughs> to the Laval Rocket, and he will, in fact be joining uh, the Anaheim Ducks organization as the head coach of the San Diego Gulls. Odd, odd, odd. Now, this mm-hmm. goes back again. Yes, that, uh, as you said, we've been tracking. It came out on 91.9 um, yeah. that uh, 
uh, Joel Bouchard would likely not return as uh, head coach of the Laval Rocket. Um, and, um, and there was speculation at the time that, um, that he would be moving to um, uh, either a position within the, the Montreal Canadiens. There was talk about the Arizona Coyotes. Um, and uh, it, it turns out uh, this is a lateral move. Um, because he's taking the yeah. same position uh, with um, with the Anaheim Ducks affiliate, the, the San Diego Gulls, kind of following in the footsteps, uh, taking yeah. the Laval position, <laughs> following in the footsteps of Sylvain Lefebvre. Sylvain Lefebvre left the Gulls uh, and is uh, now with uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, so... How did you know? How did this happen, and why would you take a lateral move? And many fans are are confused. Um, I, I think the reason that you'd take a, a lateral move is because things weren't uh, necessarily working out, and and uh, there's been all sorts of buzz about the fact that there was a disconnect between management, between Mark Bergevin, Scott Mellenby, and uh, Joel Bouchard. And the, the philosophy that they had. And we'll be talking about this uh, in detail on the Presso Montreal uh, coming up this Tuesday. Make sure you listen and we'll, we'll look at it from all angles. But, I mean, a lot of this goes back to the philosophy of, of development. And we, uh, Amy Johnson and I have talked about this for a very long time that uh, Joel Bouchard is um, focused on, on winning. And that's important. Yeah, you know, his philosophy yeah. is that that you have to be part of a winning organization to develop. However, um, in a, you know, there are, there are compromises that have to be uh, made sometime mm-hmm. when giving experience to young players, when you know that, that they need that experience, but that might cause your team uh, to not perform. Uh, and that has to do with uh, giving them you know, experience on special teams or putting them at the face-off dot or to learn. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and not placing your, your, um, AHL veterans there, which was something that, uh, Joel Bouchard liked to do that, that, that disconnect, um, between the way, uh, the management saw how they wanted to develop prospects and Joel Bouchard, who wanted to focus on winning, uh, has been there for a while. We saw, um, some, some difficulties with uh, a couple of players uh, last season um, and uh, and and Mark Bergevin had to come to the rescue uh, Riley Barber Phil Veroni uh, that had to be shipped off um, it, it's it's been a problem that didn't just arise um, Joel Bouchard was um, during the playoffs charged with the responsibility of coaching the Black Aces that Black Ace squad that was was there ready in case they needed to be called on those black aces were, uh, we, as we understand, disbanded during round two. Um, thought that they they weren't needed anymore, and uh, and Joel Bouchard just um, wasn't accepting responsibility, wasn't ex- expecting duties uh, because uh, he didn't have a contract. Uh, in fact, all of the uh, members of the Laval Rocket. Um, and that, this goes for you know um, um, equipment staff to to the yeah. coaches. None of them had a contract that extended beyond June thirtieth. With all of these rumors um, going on, um, and and you know with the media reporting on them, um, the Anaheim Ducks got wind of this, 
And it was, we know, the the uh, GM, Bob Murray. But also a, a really significant player in this is Martin Madden Jr. Who's Martin Madden? That name mm-hmm. sounds familiar. Martin Madden Jr., son of Martin Madden Sr., Martin Madden Sr., uh, from Borden, Quebec City, uh, was an assistant general manager of the Montreal Canadiens during the mm. Andre Savard days. Um, yeah. And very familiar with the organization before he went to the Ducks. Um, he's still there, by the way. He's still part of uh, Martin Madden Sr. and Jr., both part of the Ducks. Obviously, they had some insight into this. Uh, reached out uh, when it was legal to do so on July 1st. And uh, Joel Bouchard said, you know, he was really surprised. It caught him off love. He got uh, caught him off guard. He got so much love from Bob Murray, Martin Madden Jr. Um, and uh, so he was he was lured there. And along with him is going to be Daniel Jacob. Um, yeah. And so, uh, and, and with... Uh, um, Alex Burroughs now up with uh, with the, the Canadians as an assistant coach. That leaves the bench empty other than Marco Marciano, the goaltending coach, and we don't know about his status. So um, there's going to be a lot of change in the Laval Rocket. The uh, AHL report and certainly mm-hmm. the press, so Montreal are going to uh, be following that. Uh, lots of speculation that Alex Burroughs will go back and become the head coach of the Laval Rocket. We'll see. That would leave the Canadians short as well. Yeah. Boy, there's lots going on. There's a lot going on. And here. a complicated yeah. web. Yep. <laughs> a lot of re- rearranging of the furniture in the Canadians organization right now. So, as you said, there's not going to be a better place to keep track of all of this than the AH, AHL.report and the Press Zone Montreal podcast. You're going to want to tune in to the Press Zone Montreal podcast and be sure to read the content at AHL.report to be kept uh, fully abreast of the situation as it unfolds. Uh, Rick, we will move on, and uh, we will discuss the Stanley Cup Final and give a little bit of a, a sort of a review of the Stanley Cup Final. And, and Rick, obviously, you know, when you come that close, we talked about it, three wins away, and these are guys, you know, and I think it's important to focus on the leadership core of this team, and I think you start to do that with Brendan Gallagher, Shea Weber, and Carey Price. Those are the three guys that have been here that have been, you know, sort of foundational pieces of this team, of the leadership core for this team. And for those three guys, it would have meant the most for them to win a Stanley Cup. You know, for mm-hmm. the for the fans to see those three guys, I think, win a Stanley Cup in this city, it would have meant the most to see that for the fans and for them. So, you know, when when you see you know the the shots of of the guys after the game clock hit triple zeros and you see them at the podium at the for media availabilities after the game it was just it was it was hard to watch but from that you often get some really you know interesting and sort of um reflections on this team and reflections on the series as a whole. And, and we certainly got those with, uh, with those three guys. For sure. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think one of the things that uh, you, you said um, just a little earlier, and I want to highlight it that, um, you know, the meter gets set to zero again. I, I think mm-hmm. a lot of fans, um, you know, they expect, okay, uh, you attained this level. You attained. Uh, you reached the Stanley Cup Finals um, uh, this year, 
add a couple of pieces, make a few tweaks, and you'll be able to repeat next year. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and at the opposite end, you have analysts and pundits talking about whether will the Canadians make the, the, uh, the, playoffs. the playoffs next year. Yeah. Um, so in between, you have the, the players, and they understand that these opportunities don't come. It doesn't matter um, yeah. about the team and, and the talent level. Uh, these opportunities don't come along uh, this often. It's been 28 years since the last time the Canadians uh, were in the Stanley Cup final, um, and and you know that's many that, that's several generations of teams uh, along the way. So they realize um, how close they were. Uh, they realize just three wins away, and and so this is. For these players, especially those getting uh, towards the end of their career, it's devastating. Yeah. Um, and we saw how emotional that um, that these players were, particularly uh, Brendan Gallagher, and that's going to be the first clip uh, that we play. Ah, sorry. You know, I played on a lot of really good teams with a lot of really good guys. Um, it's hard right now. Sorry. Uh, sorry, I'll try and answer. We got... Uh, you know, so many players that worked their entire career to get to this point, and it's, uh, it's a tough pill to swallow. You know, they, uh, every single guy gave everything they had every single night through this run. And, you know, you look at our group, obviously, uh, you know, there's a lot more talented teams. There's just a lot of teams that uh, do a lot of things, but there's no team that is stronger as a group. And uh, the resiliency that we showed, um, you know, I'm... Uh, just a good team to be a part of. Take nothing out of moral victories. At the start of the year, we sat down as a group. Our goal was to be here. We expected to be here, uh, regardless of what people thought of our team. The expectations were to win this series. Um, you know, so I know, I know, we probably surprised a lot of people, but our expectations were to to be the team celebrating right now, and that's why it hurt so much. Because um, you know, we we tell you guys all the time how much we believed. Uh, you know, I wasn't lying. Uh, we believed in this group, and. Um, like I said, it's just a tough pill to swallow. What's really amazing for me, and again, is the the huge gulf between how fans reacted and how players reacted. And some of the play, some of the fans said, "Oh well, didn't expect to be here anyways. So um, you know, great run. Go next year. Uh, yeah. Get back to the final next year." Uh, how many times did you see on social media? My Stanley Cup is beating the Leafs. For fans, yeah, you know, yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm just happy we beat the Leafs. Anything else is gravy. I saw that a million times on social yeah. media. That isn't how the players think at all. Yeah. Um, uh, some fans said, uh, "Oh well, uh, you know, at least we weren't swept." Oh well, um, uh, at least uh, the the cup wasn't awarded on our home ice. As Brandon Gallagher said, there are no moral victories no. <laughs> at all. Yeah. Uh, it was it's Stanley Cup or nothing, and right now it's nothing, and we are feeling hurt and feeling empty. And you you heard the the the, yeah. the emotion in his voice, and you know he he had his head covered, um, his face on the table. It, it was this was gutting for these for these guys, especially as you said, the leaders of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is the Montreal Canadiens are just one of 30 teams who didn't win the Stanley Cup this year. And you know what? You can listen. There's a lot, and we're going to get to it, right? There's, there is so much to look back on in this run and say, wow, that was special. That was fun. That was great. 
but it doesn't mean anything for them. Like there, there might be a time where these players can reflect on that and, 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 you know, aspects of this run, but at the end of the day, it's always going to come down to, and then we didn't win, you know, mm-hmm. it was great. And, and then we didn't win. And that's always going to stick around for those guys. So yeah, it, it's, it's a lot to, uh, unpack and especially so quickly after the defeat for those guys but Brendan Gallagher did it very well in that moment with a lot of emotion and you know he said something there he said you know we we proved people wrong we proved people wrong and we we expected to be here at the start of the year regardless of what people thought of our team and that was a point that Shea Weber also made yeah um very proud obviously um this group is uh has a lot of character and Went up against a lot of adversity this year, and, and we proved a lot of people wrong. And um, in a tough year to boot, where uh, things weren't normal, and guys stuck together and um, battled hard, and, and obviously, uh, you know, I wouldn't change it for anything. And I'm super proud of these guys. I think a lot of us are lost for words right now. Um, to be honest, it's uh, it's tough. I think everybody knows that you play for this reason. You get so close, and um, just uh, you just can't get it done. Yeah, I mean, they were at a loss for words um, because uh, you can be proud of the team. You can be proud um, uh, of all that they went through. Um, and, and even some of, the, uh, some of that adversity obviously brought the team together and, and uh, the character players really came to the fore and, and, and led the team, um, you know, uh, whether, it, whether it's uh, Weber or Gallagher or Price or uh, Perry or Stahl. Yeah. Uh, that brought such a close-knit group. But still, uh, it's really tough um, because they didn't get the job done. Yeah, and we're, we're talking about the Canadians' leadership core and the guys that have been here the longest and sort of set the standard for what this team needs to be. And you mentioned two names there, Corey Perry and Eric Stahl, who I think, um, you know, and, and you heard it from all the guys. You heard it from Nick Suzuki. You heard it from whoever it was that was talking about the leadership core for this team. And you added two guys in there who have won Stanley Cups, who have been you know, Eric Stahl has been a captain in this league. And then you had Corey Perry, who's been an alternate captain in Anaheim. And, you know, obviously one of the uh, the better players the last 10 years, um, you know, at, well, 10 years ago was, was a Hart Trophy winner. So, I mean, you know, you're getting guys like that, adding that into the leadership core. And we talked about it all year long with Corey Perry, that he had entered into that conversation. Mm-hmm. But you get to the playoffs, you're, you're going to need other leaders to emerge. And the addition of Eric Stahl... As, as you know, <laughs> it didn't look great through 20 games down the stretch of the regular season, but he was a guy that, you know, stood up in the dressing room after, I believe, game five or heading into game five of the Leaf series along with those, along with Perry, along with those three guys. And, you know, that's something that, that you know, you deserve a lot of credit. Um, you know, uh, Mark Bergevin going out and getting Eric Stahl, even as bad as it looked through the, the, the 20 games of the regular season, you got to this point and that leadership that showed through. And ultimately, as I said, these are the three guys that have set the standard, but you had other guys emerge throughout. And that that was a huge part of it. For sure. Um, there's 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 different ways of, of showing yeah. leadership. There's there's standing up. And saying something in the the um, uh, dressing room, uh, there's um, you know the kind of motivation on the bench on the on the ice, uh, and there's sometimes uh, a quiet leadership um, that uh, deflects 
attention from uh, teammates. And and this, I thought, was a really interesting clip because mm-hmm. it showed uh, strongly the, the, this team, um, you know, led by Price and Weber, um, but they have two very different styles of leadership. And, um, you know, anyone who... who um, has listened to Carey Price, and and I, you know, I've heard, I, I have to say, uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of times his his pressers, and you get to know uh, his style, and you know what his leadership style is, and it's um, when Carey Price, uh, you know, uh, could be taking a bow uh, for a mm-hmm. tremendous performance, he uses the word "we," where he would be fully justified in saying "I." He always says we and then on the opposite side when his team is is had a, a tough time when his team has has maybe collapsed around him and where he could be very justified in saying we he uses i and he yeah. takes all of the heat uh and takes it off of off off of his team it's it's a textbook it's something he always does uh and he did it again um, at the end of of uh, the Stanley Cup run, and yet um, you know that the vultures were there waiting mm-hmm. for to pounce, waiting for him to uh, uh, use those words and then run with them. And we saw them in in headlines in the Gazette. It, you know, it, it it was odd. And and uh, Shea Weber stepped in and used his leadership style to set. The record straight. Uh, let's let's uh, let's play this, and, and you'll get an idea of what we're talking about. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I just don't think uh, you know I played well enough at the start of the series. I don't think that's the case at all. To be honest, I think that uh, we weren't good enough in front of Kerry. They were, I mean, give them credit. They're a heck of a team. They're here for a reason, and um, they were they were better than us in the end. Shea Weber with some uh, truth telling there at the end. Yeah. Um, you know there was uh, why did why did Carey Price let in this goal or that goal? Uh, look at his save percentage for the first two games of of uh, the final, uh, and we went through and we we uh, we discussed what led to each goal last week. We we talked about the uh, the Mike McKenna analysis. Um, it, it, Carey Price wasn't. Carey Price was the reason that the team got to the final. He wasn't the reason why they lost uh, the first two games yeah. of the series. He was. He was trying to take that on himself and take it away from the team. Um, and uh, Shea Weber w- was having none of it. None of it. Yeah. Jumped in both feet. Said that's just not true. We weren't good enough in front of him. And um, uh, Tampa was a better team than we were. Uh, yeah. And I think we can can uh, acknowledge that. I, I thought that was a fascinating uh, interchange between two uh, uh, leaders of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and it was, you know, obviously for Montreal Canadiens fans, a pretty uh, crushing night um, to lose a Stanley Cup. Um, but that was one of the more sort of heartwarming moments, I think, of the for night. Sure. It, it hurt, it, you know, it hurt to see everybody in that sort of to see Brendan Gallagher that emotional, to see Price and Weber that emotional. But, you know, it was something that came out of it that was was really refreshing. And to see Shea Weber jump in like that and say definitively, that was not the case. Carey Price simply didn't have the support. 
uh, it was it was great leadership, uh, both from obviously Carey Price. You know, he, he's not somebody that ever loves to talk about himself, and you know, he'll he was ob- throughout the run, very very quick to give credit to you know Edmondson, Petrie, Weber, and Sherratt for clearing out the front of the net, um, and you know, making life difficult on the opponents, and you know, not even really get into the fact that he was making miraculous save after miraculous save. Yeah. But, you know, he's he's that's that's the kind of guy he is. So great leaders, both of them. And uh, yeah. yeah, But Rick, the interesting thing here, uh, Shea Weber touched on at the very end there. The Tampa Bay Lightning were the better team. And you said we can't acknowledge that the Tampa Bay Lightning were certainly the better team. Um, The fallout right of of them winning the Stanley Cup and the, um, you know, the celebration that raged on on the ice and in front of the cameras for the media availabilities. Uh, and, and Rick, I think at the center of all of that is uh, Nikita Kucherov. I think we can start there. We might get to John Cooper, but we'll start with Nikita Kucherov <laughs> at first. And Rick, we've all seen it. The clip of a shirtless Nikita Kucherov, beer in hand, sitting down to do post-game media availabilities and... There was there was two minds of this, right? Um, there were people that loved it. Uh, there were people that did not like it, and most people that did not like it, uh, either in Montreal or Montreal Canadiens fans, because Nikita Kucherov had some choice words for Montreal Canadiens fans, and uh, and also <laughs> Mark Andre Fleury and Connor Hellebuck for some reason. Yeah, it was uh, it was really unsavory. It was um, I, I don't know. I was I was disgusted by it. Uh, certainly, uh, for a player to criticize the opponent's fans, I don't I don't remember seeing that before. I don't remember seeing it in a in a Stanley Cup final, and and yeah. uh, it, it was just. I, you know, the, uh, there's a, a tweet uh, sent to me. Um, uh, an NHL player can't say anything about officiating, and that applies to a coach as well, without yeah. getting lit up with fines. But he can be drunk and taking aim at hockey fans, and the league does nothing. I think that's a really good point um, yeah. because it 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 kind of um, undermines the kind of respect that I think the league has. And I, I, I saw a lot of of fans talking about how um, in the U.S., the, the U.S. hockey fans see the NHL not as one of the uh, basketball, b- baseball, big uh, the big four sports. They yeah. don't see the, the hockey in there. They see it as a novelty sport yeah. uh, like the WWE. And so for for those people, they love this. They thought this was like WWE kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but you, you, you wouldn't see this in the other the other big three pro sports. No. Um, it, it, it was, it was really unsavory and, and, um, you know, there, then his agent announced that, uh, because of that, <laughs> there was a sponsorship with Bud Light and it, yeah. it just got really, it, it went off the rails, uh, unfortunately. Um, and, and fans certainly justifiably so called Nikita Kucherov classless, um, cause he wasn't criticizing players. He was criticizing fans. Um, and um, Mikhail Sergachev shot back and said, uh, uh, "Classless, you're classless um, because uh, you're you're um, there's been uh, death threats to players and and uh, and their families." 
Uh, then he he quietly deleted that tweet without yeah. any kind of proof. It, it kind of, as I said, went off the rails. It was an unfortunate way uh, to end, you know, the tradition in hockey. Uh, it's always so, you, you, you go to war, two teams go to war, battle each other, and then at the end, uh, they come together and they shake hands in a in a, a show of sportsmanship. And then for Nikita Kucherov to do what he did um, was wrong. And, um, and, and, you know, regardless if you, you like the novelty of it, it um, this sport shouldn't be seen as, as uh, WWE, shouldn't be seen yeah. as that kind of trashy kind of... Uh, and it, it, it just... Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry it, it went that way. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't even necessarily mind that he showed up, you know, I would I prefer to see Nikita Kucherov with a shirt on? Yes, of course, (laughs) I would prefer to see Nikita Kucherov with a shirt on. Uh, I don't mind that he showed up with a beer and that he had, you know, uh, didn't have a have a shirt on. But I don't know why fans enter his mind at all in that moment. You just won your second Stanley Cup, man, like take a victory lap. But I don't understand why fans in that moment and the way that they celebrated in that moment, I, I just don't necessarily know why that would be front of mind for Nikita Kucherov to say that. And yes, he was slightly intoxicated, but it, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have. He just shouldn't have said that. It just shouldn't have been something that was at the front of his mind to say. And also, I think you know, a lot of people pointed to the fact that the Lightning were eighteen million dollars over the salary cap, and you know that that's sort of a, a you know everyone did that this year. Everyone manipulated the cap. Is a, it's the reality of a flat cap NHL. But I think the one thing where you can bring that up is the celebrations of the fans after winning game four. Because when you get down 3-0 to a team that's $18 million over the cap and has the type of talent that the Tampa Bay Lightning possess, yeah, they're going to celebrate a little bit. They're going to be happy about that. <laughs> so it, it, I don't know it, where he's coming from on that. I, I just I don't get it why it would be at the front of his mind. Again, I know people, you know, people loved it. People loved, as you said, the novelty of it. And I didn't necessarily mind the beer and the no shirt. But why is that at the front of his mind? Yeah, somehow the fans got under his skin. And as you said, it was a David versus Goliath kind of moment yeah. that the Canadians had had uh, knocked. And that they celebrated. What's wrong with that? Was yeah. he jealous of the Canadians <laughs> fans yeah. celebrating? Um, the other uh, moment that, that uh, got a lot of attention in the media... Um, was Gary Bettman, uh, and and again, yeah. this is something I don't remember uh, seeing. Didn't acknowledge uh, the uh, certainly uh, was effusive in his praise for Tampa Bay, but he always mentions uh, the two teams, the combatants, and and talks about uh, uh, you know the the should have talked about the Montreal Canadiens and didn't, and some mm-hmm. said. Um, oh, it was just uh, uh, an oversight. It was just an, yeah. uh, an omission. Gary Bettman doesn't do anything without thinking about it, without carefully mm-hmm. planning and sending a message. That's Gary Bettman. Uh, this was, if he didn't mention the Canadians, it was because he chose not to mention the Canadians. That was that was really bizarre. Um, you know, the, the other moments, um, I, I don't know. John Cooper was was kind of funny when he said, um, I didn't really have anything to do. I just sat behind the bench and uh, I sat on, on uh, behind the bench and, and chewed gum. 
Um, <laughs> you know, I, I would have said that also applied to uh, Andre Vasilevsky because he didn't have yeah. a whole lot to do <laughs> in terms of high danger uh, shots. He had, it, there was, uh, you know, a couple of games where he, where he had some shots to deal with, but not any of the high danger variety. Um, but John Cooper, uh, give him credit uh, mm-hmm. that he mentioned Carey Price. He said, number one, Carey Price, best goalie of his generation. Number two, Carey Price, best goalie that we faced. Um, and and so sometimes it's kind of uh, odd that you have to go outside uh, and you go to hockey people, not necessarily in the media, but uh, for Carey Price to get his due. Yeah. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens every year, right? It was the same thing with the NHLPA players poll is you'd always get the players yeah. that respected Carey Price immensely. And you'd see, you know, Alexander Ovechkin after a great Carey Price save, go and give him a fist bump. There's that respect that exists for Carey Price that simply is not there the way that it should be within his own market. And it's unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, he always has that glowing praise, uh, whether it was Jason Spezza in round one, Blake Wheeler in round two. Uh, you know, in round three and four, uh, Robin Lanner had had a lot to say about Carey Price as well. So, I mean, everybody respects Carey Price immensely. And uh, yeah, that was great to see from from John Cooper. And to get back to the Gary Bettman part of it, uh, I don't know if he might not have been uh, too thrilled that he didn't get the uh, Tampa Bay Vegas Vegas, marquee matchup that he might have been hoping for. And uh, yeah, that might that might have had something to do with it. But who knows? Who knows with the commissioner. But uh, anyways, Rick, I will move on and get to uh, the NHL critical dates calendar, which is uh, filled with events. Well, we're just going to mention quickly that, um, you know, don't go anywhere. Don't go to sleep mm, because nope. there's a lot that's <laughs> about to happen. Uh, an, an awful lot that's about to happen. Um, because this offseason is is uh, shortened, we're going to have uh, no shortage of things to talk about Um Coming up, um, you know, within a week, we're going to have uh, uh, the, a deadline for the teams to submit their protected lists. And, and we've already heard some uh, speculation about that for the expansion draft. Um, the expansion draft happens on, on July 21st. Round one of the NHL entry draft happens on the 23rd. Round two on the 24th. Free agency begins um, 12 p.m. on on what usually is Canada Day, uh, begins on July 28th. Uh, There's going to be lots of work for um, uh, Mark Bergevin to do uh, to fill his holes uh, in the lineup, but yet uh, stay within uh, the salary cap. Um, There's going to be restricted free agents uh, as Mm -hmm. well. So um, we're going to have a lot on our plate. And yeah. uh, we'll we'll cover it in full so that uh, we can pass it on to you. Absolutely. So yeah, Rick, as you said, lots coming down the lots coming down the road. So don't go anywhere. Um, so Rick, uh, we'll take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we're gonna have some clips from the end of season media availabilities for some players and from Mark Bergevin. Give our thoughts on the season and what's ahead. So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast and Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, 
passionate and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen 19. With me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter, and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website over at CanadiansConnection.com. Um, so, Rick, uh, we talked about the Stanley Cup final, gave a review of the Stanley Cup final, and Unfortunately, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, it's a tough turnaround for players, right? After you lose, you go on a playoff run like this, and then you have to head back home without the Stanley Cup and do media availabilities for the end of season, the locker room clean out, the end of season media availabilities that happen every year. And we got some very interesting comments out of that this year. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if we react to these, give our thoughts on What's going to happen? I mean, the thoughts on the season as a whole and, and what's ahead for the guys that are speaking that we're going to hear from in these clips and what what comes of this offseason for the Montreal Canadiens. It was so emotional. The The ending to the season was so emotional uh, that those emotions carried on, carried yeah. into the, the media availability on Friday. Um, you know, there, there was players, we, we forget, um, you know, Eric Stahl talked about being away from his family, his, yeah. his young family, for six months. Uh, we saw a video from John Merrill uh, where his uh, John Merrill got out quite, quite quickly, um, had his exit interview and and uh, and exited and and uh, headed uh, home to Michigan, and was met by his very very young family. Uh, but yeah. his his wife said it had been eighty nine days since they had seen. Uh, him and uh, for the the young girls, it was it was heartwarming, and you forget that that uh, in addition to the the heartbreak of the um, losing in the Stanley Cup final, there's all these other emotions with leaving your teammates, this close tight knit group. Um, there is there's getting back to your families, and then there's thoughts about what's going to happen next year in yeah. in as we keep saying a very very short off season. 
yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting. And yeah, those, those that clip was very heartwarming to see. It reminded me, I think uh, Tyler Bozak had a similar one last year too. And it was it was just it's always great to see those types of videos, especially as we know in the pandemic, things have been. Um, you know, players have been isolated away from their families. And yeah, as you said, Eric Stahl, uh, very excited to get back and, and make a decision about his future with his family mm-hmm. and come to what decision might be best for him. Um, but Rick, I, I think for me, I think the most interesting guy that we heard from, or at least for, for me, uh, I'll speak only for myself. I, I was interested to hear what Corey Perry had to say, um, because for me, I, I kept thinking back to Corey Perry grew up a Montreal Canadiens fan and Corey Perry very happy to be to complete you know sort of his career to come to Montreal play in a Canadian market and not only do that but play for the team that he grew up cheering for and I always wondered I've been wondering as this has gone on you've started to get a taste for what this market is when fans are allowed and does Corey Perry have it to come back one more year and come back on a similar type deal that Jason Spezza got with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he was asked if he was going to play hockey next year at all. Well, your to your first question, yes, I intend to play hockey next year, and I think there's still a lot of a lot of good hockey left in me, and uh, you know, I would love to love to come back here and experience Montreal, you know, for for being Montreal, um, you know, it's. I thought that this was a, a really close group and you saw that coming in day one into camp, uh, you know, how close the, the guys are on the team and, and the culture around here and the leadership group and um, the young kids coming up. And it, there, there's a definitely, definitely a bright future here in Montreal. And, um, you know, hopefully I'm part of that. I, I did tell him that I, I'd love to come back and, and be a part of this and, and, and see what we can do again next year. You know, he, you get so close and you taste that feeling and you know, you, you want to do it and you want to deal with those same guys that were, were in that dressing room. So the clips we played earlier, uh, Gallagher, um, Weber and price were right after they lost mm-hmm. and, and they were, and they were emotional, uh, Gallagher in particular. Yeah. This is Corey Perry a couple of days later. Yeah. And, and have you heard Kerry, uh, Corey Perry like that before? He was extremely emotional uh, yeah. throughout his his uh, press conference. Um, I, I, you know, obviously he's fully invested uh, in the Montreal Canadiens. He he said, uh, you know, we got a bit of a taste, but I want more, and I want to do that with those guys, the same guys uh, uh, in the locker room that I did it with this year. Um, and he said that I uh, he he expressed that to Mark Bergevin. Um, you know, Mark Bergevin and, and Mark Bergevin deserves credit for the people that he brought in. But but let's remember that uh, Corey Perry was not Mark Bergevin's first choice uh, yeah. at the end of the season. He went. Mark Bergevin went hard after Wayne Simmons offered yeah. him um, a double uh, what he would have made in in Toronto. Uh, I believe. Um, yeah. And yeah. and Wayne Simmons said no. Uh, and and so Corey Perry was the backup. How well did that work out? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> same thing. Um, uh, he went at the trade deadline. He went after Ryan Getzlaff, ended up with Eric Stahl. I w- you know, how well did that work out? Uh, so um, I... I, I I, I can see Corey Perry really wants to come back. He wants to be with 
the same group. Uh, is he going to take the kind of discount he did uh, to come back this? I don't think so. I don't yeah. think he should. Um, you know, what what was he in in uh, playoff scoring? Uh, maybe fifth. Um, I'll, I'll have to look back. I think uh, I think so. Yeah, but the install were right up there. Yeah, that's right. Um, so. Uh, um, and and he, he made another interesting point. He wants to come and experience Montreal in its fullest glory. Yes. In a full building in the Bell Center. In a, mm-hmm. He wants to see that and, and, and experience that. Uh, all very good points. And, and, and you understand why he was such an important force uh, in the dressing room uh, as a leader of the team. And I want to make a point here because we're going to get to the question of the week about our favorite memories from the playoffs. One of mine, very obscure one, was Corey Perry scoring in game six against the Leafs, the first goal of the game, and him arms outstretched, <laughs> looking up into the crowd, right? Because he's a guy that, he, that's a goal celebration that he does. You, I've seen him do it for Team Canada. Yeah. Like, it's not much, but it's just the feeding off the energy in the building, the arms outstretched. Like, it, it's something that you want to see Corey Perry do in a full bell center, soaking in that, you know, that emotion. So that was something that I was, that I, I that I, I'll remember from this playoff run uh, for a very long time. But yeah, you, you wonder if he will be back next year for the Montreal Canadiens, and you'd certainly love to see him back because he was a great fit, as you said. I mean, it could have been could have went another way with Wayne Simmons, and, and Wayne Simmons, um, you know, he might have been playing through some stuff, but was not very much of a factor for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first-round series that the Canadians played against them. So the Canadians got the better end of that deal, <laughs> for sure, mm-hmm. and they got a guy in Corey Perry that was just an immediate... Uh, boost of, of leadership, of character for this team. And yeah, you certainly hope that he's back next year and does get to experience Montreal in all of its glory. Um, another guy, Rick, who, you know, he's uh, he, he had a bit of a, he said uh, a lot of nice, positive things, sort of wrote a love letter with his availability, <laughs> Paul Byron. Uh, he had a good playoffs as well. And you no, know, it was sort of you remember the goal back in game one against the Leafs and the, the that was a highlight reel oh, goal, yeah. one that, yeah, my goodness, that was a beautiful goal. And, you know, he came through with that one against Vegas as well, the backhand goal, um, moving around flurry. You know, he just came through. And, and also the way that he played. I Rick, I, I don't know that I've ever seen Paul Byron work as hard as he did cutting guys off, getting back on the back check and cutting guys off along the boards. He did yeah. that so well throughout the playoffs. It was a, it was a small thing that I don't know that I've seen him do as frequently and as effective as he did in the playoff run this year. He was incredible. And, you know, you talk about the scratch of Yasperi Kotkaniemi. Part of why, I, you know, I was of two minds on it. And I was, part of me was very excited Jake Evans was getting back in. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that you reunited Byron, Evans, and Lekkinen to be the line that did what they did against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in the last two games against the Edmonton Oilers. But also, you know, Byron just did that whoever he played with. I know Ducharme had some frustrations about his third line uh, in the third, uh, you know, in the second and third round. But I think Paul Byron, you know, was somebody that, they relied on to be consistent in his own zone and he did that and then he came through with some clutch goals which that's what that's all about you can expect from Paul Byron <laughs> yeah for sure and and Paul Byron I mean to put everything in context here was a guy who was on waivers three yep. times this this 
Paul Byron has uh, Canadians in his blood, and and that's despite the fact that that there was a chance that he was uh, three times that he was not going to be a Montreal Canadian uh, this you know during the year. And here, listen to how he talks about uh, the, the how proud he is. Um, yeah, putting on that jersey. I mean, I, I love I love Montreal. I love the city. I love the fans. I, I, I love putting on the jersey every single day. Um, and I say it all the time to myself in my head, you, you come in through the garage, you walk in, and it's like you, you see the pictures. You see Sean Belleville, Maurice Richard, Don uh, Cornoyer, Larry Robinson, you know, Patrick Waugh, Guy Carboneau. Like, to wear the same jerseys as those guys is it's a dream, you know? It's everything you dream of as a kid. It's, you know, I'm the luckiest person in the world, honestly. Um, even on bad days, being on waivers, it doesn't matter, you know? Like, I love it. I love being here. Um, you know, my wife, being French-Canadian, her family, it was incredible. I mean, it was an incredible year. Incredible year. Uh, it, yeah. It's a dream. Um, I'm the luckiest guy. And this yeah. is a guy who was on waivers three times. Um, mm-hmm. He gets it. Paul Byron gets it. Uh, he knows that, um, you know, just putting on the same jersey as as the greats, uh, not Montreal Canadiens greats, but hockey greats. Yeah. Um, he is very fortunate. And, and those are the kind of people, those are the kind of players that you want playing for the Montreal Canadiens. And, and let's also note that, you know, for a guy to be on waivers three times in a season, I mean, a guy that wears a letter for a team is not finding himself in that spot very often. Right. Like a guy that wears a letter, like he wears, <laughs> he wears an A for the Montreal Canadiens. You talked about the leadership core with Weber, Price and, and Gallagher. You sometimes forget that Paul Byron is an alternate captain on this team. And he found himself on waivers three times this season. I mean, that is that is remarkable. And I, it speaks to the character of Paul Byron. And, and, you know, there's been some frustration with Paul Byron, you know, and a lot of it to do with the contract. Yeah. And, you know, he hasn't necessarily lived up to that. But as I said, in this playoff run, you got some hard work in the defensive zone. You got clutch goals. You got just about everything you could hope to get from Paul Byron. And yeah, it it speaks volumes. As I said, he he basically wrote a love letter in his end of season availability there. (laughs) You mentioned before we get to the next clip, you mentioned hard work. And um, we got a bit more of a clue about a story that we've only gotten snippets Mm -hmm. about. And it relates to work (laughs) ethic and hard work. Uh, and that is, um, remember, um, oh, this is back, uh, this goes back where we talked about, um, and it was Brendan Gallagher that kind of let the cat out of the bag and said, um, he came to a media availability and said, oh, we just had a, a really nice fit, visit by Bob Ganey. Oh, uh, what did, oh, what, what did Mr. Yeah. Ganey say? And, and uh, it was Gallagher who called him Mr. Ganey. He said, oh, well, it was quite an inspirational message and this and that. So when uh, Ducharme came to the podium, um, he said, uh, uh, they, he was asked and, and they, he said, uh, I, I don't really want to talk about it. That's going to stay internal, which made it more curious. And, and yeah. Richardson yeah. was asked about it and made kind of some comments. Turns out, um, that, uh, there was an internal metric uh, that they tracked that had to do with work, work ethic, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that all the, the players were competing for. And it was an award, uh, an internal award called the Gritty Bob Award and Gritty Bob for Gritty Bob Ganey, who was, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the the prototypical example of the gold standard when it comes to work ethic. 
and the reason that that uh, Ganey came in to give this inspirational speech was to award this trophy that they actually built. We don't know. We don't know how you know what the determination. We don't know the criteria. Don't know the internal metrics. We don't even know who won it. Yeah. Um, but finally, some of the details about the Greedy Bob uh, Award uh, are coming out. Uh, yeah, and it's great to hear. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 things like that that happen behind sort of closed doors for a team like this one. The special teams, you find out stuff like this that goes into it, and it's it's incredible to hear about it, even in the small snippets that we get. Uh, <laughs> but Rick, uh, of course, you know. The Canadians coming out, and we heard from Corey Perry. We heard the emotion in his voice, right? And in the aftermath, as as I said, with the clock hitting triple zeros, and you saw the you know uh, Carey Price go down the bench, give every guy a pat on the back, every guy, and 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 one thing that you did see as well on the ice was every player go up to Shea Weber yeah. and and give him a hug, and he is a guy, and, and I made it point of tweeting this that at the moment in at that exact moment it hurt the most for those two guys because man how long did it take for those two guys to get to this point 33 years old for Carey Price uh, 35 year old Shea Weber I mean those are guys that have been through a lot of playoff wars unfortunately for Price I mean in 2014 he got the injury the Chris Kreider and that sort of put him on the shelf. He wasn't able to see where that run might have gone if he had stayed healthy. But for Shea Weber, I mean, it's been a lot of frustration in the playoffs for him in Nashville. And a lot of battles, a lot of tough battles in those playoff series in Nashville that he unfortunately was not able to get to that point. And, you know, you you heard from Ben Sherratt, his defensive partner, and he said, you know, our, our leader deserves a cup. It's a sickening feeling watching the other team celebrating, you know, celebrate winning the cup when, you know, you've put in that much, that much work and you have a guy like Shea Weber on your team play that long and, and all the years and the miles on his body and, um, you know, how hard he works for our team and, and being the leader. It's, um, you know, it's tough, tough to see a friend um, in that situation. He's just, he's a, he's the leader of the team. He's the leads you know, a group of, uh, a group of men and, you know, those, those kind of individuals aren't, you don't find them everywhere and it comes so naturally to him. And, you know, that's why he's, consi- he's, he's talked about as, as one of the, you know, the best leaders in the league and it's, uh, it's well-deserved. He's uh, he's a special guy. Interesting uh, to me, Ben Sherratt, we don't hear from uh, a whole lot, uh, but when we do, he's very plain spoken. He's very direct. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, there, there's always talk and, and, and this comes from still uh, back to the trade that, um, you know, Shea Weber shouldn't be captain in this and that. Shea Weber is one of the best leaders in the National Hockey League. That's well yeah. recognized. And, and uh, Ben Sherratt, uh made that absolutely clear that. Uh, and, and the other thing, he I, I like the, the phrasing he used. You think, uh, well, you know, we gave it our best effort, so you tip the cap to your opposition. No, he said this was a sickening feeling to watch uh, Tampa uh, yeah. celebrate the cup, um, especially knowing how much work, how much effort, how much dedication and commitment uh, that, that we've had, especially a player like... Uh, Shea Weber and uh, and 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 he's a, a leader of our team and and uh, Chirac called him 
a friend as well. Yeah, and I mean, you know, two guys that that played together so well in last year's bubble uh, against Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, and then to do it for three rounds, the way that the minutes that those guys played together and apart, considering that they were also playing shifts with the likes of Eric Gustafson and John Merrill and Alexander Romanoff and Brett Kulak, whoever was in the lineup, those guys were doing, you know, double duty. They were playing yeah. together. They were playing apart. And, you know, ultimately, of course, as you would expect, some some respect there and a lot of respect uh, between Ben Sherratt and, uh, and, and for his captain, Shea Weber. So uh, th- the one thing that's interesting, Rick, is that's hanging over right? The Seattle Kraken, they're hanging mm-hmm. over all of this. And coming off of this kind of a run, it is um, it is a pretty debilitating time for an expansion draft to be taking place. And the thoughts of, okay, well, who on this team, who among this group of players that just delivered the most you know, exciting playoff run that this city has seen in 28 years, who among them is going to be selected by the Seattle Kraken? And Ben Sherratt had some thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I don't expect expect much from the expansion draft. I haven't uh not really too worried about it. I, okay. A, a short clip, very mm-hmm. short. Um, but I think as I said, he's very plain spoken. He didn't say, Well, listen, it's out of my control. Um, uh, so uh, no use uh, being upset. He 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 said, I don't expect too much to happen there. And there's been a lot of speculation. We know that that the structure is the same as uh, for the the Vegas exp- expansion draft, and most teams will go with the seven three one formula: seven forwards uh, protecting, seven forwards, three defensemen, and and one goaltender. And that's going to be uh, difficult for the the Montreal Canadiens because they have the four Clydesdales. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's been lots of speculation that because Edmondson has the longer term in his his contract that. Uh, uh, perhaps Sherratt would be uh, uh, the, the guy exposed uh, because would the Canadians go to that uh, eight plus one formula, eight skaters plus one goaltender, uh, which uh, would really limit their options um, mm-hmm. in order to protect those those four defensemen. But Sherratt seemed to, he's not worried about it. He seemed, doesn't expect to be involved in it. Is he saying that uh, he has some sort of assurance from Mark Bergevin. Has Mark Bergevin worked out some deal? Um, is it, is, you know, um, obviously there would, would have already been communication between the Canadians and the Seattle Kraken about uh, who they might take and maybe even some encouragement or we saw in the previous draft some uh, players or draft picks going the other way to steer uh, Vegas to, yeah. to pick certain players. So, uh, listen, it, you know, um, Ben Sherratt would be a, a big, valuable piece for the Seattle Kraken to build their defense around. Uh, but uh, will it be Jake uh, Allen? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that could be a, an interesting piece. And maybe the Canadians are not too worried about that. He he was a fan favorite, media favorite. Uh, but when you look at his numbers, um, you know, for March and April, he, he really, um, he, he really struggled. Um, so would it be uh, Jake Allen? Would it be Jonathan Duran, uh, which would solve uh, a lot of problems, but we don't even know. And, and it, we didn't get any more information, uh, yesterday. It was, t- it was said it was a sensitive, uh, topic is would Jonathan Duran be the one, uh, that would be, uh, selected for, uh, for, 
for the Kraken. And if he's able to play, would be a um, understandable pick to add that skill and and uh, yeah. uh, change a, she- a scenery for Jonathan Duran. So, um, boy, we're, there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered uh, in the next week or so. And uh, but I, I thought that clip from Ben Sherratt, you know, was was an, an interesting. Uh, uh, comment on uh, on what's about to, to take place. Yeah, and there's certainly a lot of questions entering uh, this portion of the offseason with, with everything that's coming ahead, and the guy that's going to have a lot of those answers is Mark Bergevin, who uh, we'll get to right now. And, you know, this is, you know, I, I think uh, understandably a time for Mark Bergevin to, uh, to take a little bit of a victory lap because uh, it was, you know, I, I think... We've, we've always sort of laughed off the, you know, oh, you get to the playoffs and you don't know what's going to happen, right? Anything can happen. You get to the playoffs. And he said that so many times over the last few years. And it became, you know, a little bit tiring. And especially when you heard it this year, headed into this season, oh, this is a team that I built for the playoffs. And when things went off the rails the way that they did, I don't know if anyone expected that this team had a run like that in them, the way that things looked in March, you know, like this did not seem like a team that was about to, you know, anything can happen. This did not seem like it was going to be one of those stories. And yet they did. And they did that a lot because of, of Carey price, but, but also because as I said, a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, this team has found a way to support Carey price. There's a reason this one got to this point and other teams in years past have not. They found a system that is largely centered around Carey Price, but they've provided him some support, and that goes back to the additions that Mark Bergevin made. I think one of them, one of the big ones, obviously Corey Perry. You saw the impact Joel Edmondson had, Tyler Toffoli, even though he struggled down the stretch, uh, Josh Anderson, obviously his contributions in Game Four to get that series back to Tampa Bay. So, you know, it's a time for Mark Bergevin to uh, to reflect on on everything that happened this season. And, and what did he think of this team? How did they manage to get there? And, well, you know, they didn't have the star power, but they had a team. Never wanted to end or when end with the, the, the Stanley Cup. That was... Uh... That was the lowest point for me, and you know, for for me, but also for the guys. How they 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 believe in each other. I from my nine years here in Montreal, that's the closest group I felt as 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 a team. And when I say team, I believe team win championship, not individual. And uh, we have a team. We had a really good team. We didn't have those superstars, but we have guys that believe in each other and fought for the guy next to him. And that's why we we went this far. We just came up where a team was doing the same thing and uh, you know they they were pretty deep in all position so um, the Canadians were the underdog in every series they were in um, two factors um, one was Carey Price he obviously carried the team through the other was the will the character the the, the tightness of of the group and the belief that that uh, in themselves when so many around them were we're doubting them. And uh, Mark Bergevin is, um, you know, in some cases he got lucky in, 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 uh, in, in bringing in the type of players uh, that gelled together. Uh, but part of it is, is looking for those character players. And, and uh, he brought in the players that, uh, that were able to stand together and, and, and uh, even the new players to provide some leadership. Uh, those who had some Stanley cup experience and, 
Um, you know, with Carey Price, uh, we know now why um, Mark Bergevin uh, said, um, you know, I'm tied to Carey Price. Um, yeah. I will die with Carey Price. And <laughs> yeah. that's why I protect Carey Price. He said that in his interview. Um, yep. And and going back to his his discussion with Stefan Waite, Stefan Waite, uh, when when he was fired, revealed that Mark Bergevin said, um, "If Carey Price uh, doesn't carry us into the playoffs, I'll lose my job. Um, I'm next." Is is yeah. basically what he said. Well, Carey Price has uh, turned the conversation. Um, you know, before the as as the Canadians were on that losing streak heading into the postseason. Um, had the question was had Dominic Ducharme done enough uh, to be extended? And it, there was a resounding no from everybody, even the Montreal media. Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, Mark Bergevin? Would he be getting a contract extension? I re- and I remember when Elliot Friedman uh, reported that there were some discussions with Molson and Bergevin towards the end of the season. Uh, that was that was scoffed at at on on social media. Uh, that there was no way that that Mark Bergevin, at at best, if Mark Bergevin wasn't fired, that uh, they'd let the clock run out and see what happened in the last year of his contract, which would be next year. But now, um, is is uh, you know because of the success they had, is Dominic Ducharme going to to uh, take have that interim tag removed? Hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and and Mark Bergevin said that's one of his first priorities, um, and and there's nobody right now that's looking for uh, Mark Bergevin's head. He's being being praised. So things change very quickly in sports, mm-hmm. uh, and and Carey Price is is partly responsible uh, for the good fortunes and maybe the paydays of of uh, yeah. two of the people that he works for. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely say that, and I think Rick. You know, he talked about having a special relationship with Carey Price. Another guy that Mark Bergevin has a special relationship, dating back to his time in Chicago, uh, Philip Deneau. And uh, where exactly are the Philip Deneau negotiations going to stand? Because we remember, listen, the negotiations that headed into the start of last year's training camp, they didn't end well. Like both sides did not really, uh, you know, did, didn't seem like there was much forward momentum on a deal getting done. It, it also didn't seem that way with Brendan Gallagher, but there was a very quick turnaround and that got done. But that was after the Deneau negotiations had concluded reportedly. So there was a lot of things happening near the start of last season with Philip Deneau. And based on the way things went in the regular season, it would have been a very hard argument to say that Philip Deneau would merit some type of pay increase. Um, but now, based on everything that has been said about Philip Deneau uh, by players, and, and you know he shared very publicly what players had said to him when other guys had elected not to do that. Um, but regardless, he you know has had the praise of guys like Nathan McKinnon and Austin Matthews, other guys as well. He is somebody that is highly regarded by his peers. And of course, the narrative in the market in Montreal was that he was as big a reason for the Montreal Canadiens getting out of the series against the Leafs and the Jets, almost as big a reason as Carey Price. That was, you know, that was that was tossed out there. That wasn't, you know, sort of laughed at or scoffed at. Um, 
So, Rick, where exactly the negotiations stand after that playoff with Philip Deneau is a very interesting question. I don't talk about any of that. I mean, Phil's been good for us, uh, but there's also four other players on the ice. So uh, we value Phil a lot. We did, uh, you know, back in September. And again, and I hope we, 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 I still hope we'll be able to get something done. But that's part of the business I don't discuss. But we value Phil uh, quite a bit. Yes. So uh, I don't I don't know if that posture is his uh, those are his true feelings or whether it's a bit of negotiating posture there from from mm-hmm. Bergevin. Uh, but he rightly said, well, no, he d- he doesn't rightly say he was actually wrong on it. He's he he's when when one other reporter yeah. uh, reporters I think it was John Lou was trying to give um, uh, Phil Deneau way too much credit uh, for um, you know sh- the shutdown role that he played. And 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 let's be honest about this uh, that that the the discussion the the narrative around Phil Deneau changed dramatically. Uh, Phil Deneau had a terrible season, an absolutely terrible season for the, the first line center to um, finish the season with two goals, was it? Um, I, I know he has a, a shutdown role to play. He wasn't doing that and and neither was he He had uh, was using his minutes uh, for in an offensive way. Um, so um, that narrative changed when the the first time ever, as as we we heard over and over and over again, there was yeah. not a Quebecer in the lineup uh, when during the regular season, and all of a sudden everybody in the Montreal media became uh, Phil Deneau cheerleader. No, I won't say that. Became Phil Deneau player agents and yeah. were pumping his tires like nobody's business and. And yes, there was that silly narrative that uh, Phil Deneau had been responsible for shutting down Matthews and Marner. That was nonsense, absolute mm-hmm. nonsense. And and uh, credit to Dom Lasish and our friend at uh, the for putting out the numbers and uh, saying that um, you know uh, Phil Deneau was being credited that there was only 1.86 expected goals. Uh, per 60 uh, in the in the Leafs series, uh, as he said, it had absolutely nothing to do with Phil Deneau, uh, that, that the expected goal, the chances were double that because they were being allowed. It was a, a 9.54 save percentage uh, on behalf of Carey Price that uh, that Marner's and Matthew uh, Marner and Matthews were shut down, not Phil Deneau, and that extended into the Winnipeg series, and he had the numbers for that. He said the, the Phil Deneau shutdown role was an absolute myth. Um, so whether in in the first two rounds, I, I'm not going to say yeah. anything beyond yeah. that. Um, and he had the numbers to to uh, back that up. So. Whether um, whether uh, Mark Bergevin is also th- of that mind, or or um, he did say he'd like him uh, Phil Deneau back, but remember that this and Phil Deneau said it in his uh, media availability. Uh, the 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 reason that these the the um, uh, he he rejected the contract was that he was looking for some sort of assurances as well, not only in the money-wise, but that his role wouldn't change. Yeah, He was very concerned about the minutes that were going to be taken away from him and given to Kotkaniemi and Suzuki. Well, 
that better happen next year. And I know that that Deneau is a favorite of Ducharme, but for the success of the Montreal Canadiens, we have to see a much bigger role from um, uh, 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 Suzuki and Kotkaniemi than they had this season. Yeah. We've got Jake <clears throat> Evans at the center role. We've got Ryan Paling, who had a terrific year in Laval, who will be vying for that fourth-line center spot. Uh, Phil Deneau has, um, you know... He was a, a media darling in the playoffs. Uh, he had 40 player agents uh, in the media uh, <laughs> making his case. He had the whole pizza thing going. Uh, but I think this is going to this is going to say how these negotiations play out uh, are going to um, set the direction for uh, the Montreal Canadiens next next season. Yeah, it's a very curious one. I mean, the Montreal Canadiens have got some youth that can conceivably take up that spot but as you said he's a favorite of Dominic Ducharme there's a special relationship that exists with general manager Mark Bergevin so who really knows how this is going to turn out but yeah it's it's going to be an interesting one um so Rick uh, one other thing that's going to be interesting to see and and this was sort of uh pointed out by Elliot Friedman as you talked about the discussions with Jeff Molson about an extension for Mark Bergevin and, and I, I think, you know, there's, there's uh, Friedman elaborated on that and his, it is 31 thoughts, 33 thoughts, whatever it is. <laughs> and he said that there could be a, perhaps a uh, promotion for Mark Bergevin to president of hockey ops and Scott Mellenby or uh, Martin Lapointe taking over as general manager. I like, what does Mark Bergevin think about the year and signing an extension? It's been hard on me. Yeah, it has been hard. It's it's a tough. It's it's it, it was hard this year. It was mentally, uh, it was very difficult. And I give credit to the players to be able to pull through this and you know fell short of winning in Stanley Cup. But at the end of the day, I they show a lot of hearts, a lot of character, and a lot of fights in them. I have one more year in my contract, and I will honor that. Um. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That that's not uh, necessarily what folks were expecting to hear and yes there's been this this quiet uh, uh, um, reporting out there that Mark Bergevin maybe uh, has had enough um, may, yes maybe he wants bigger things maybe he wants to go uh, into to higher management uh, uh, but maybe he's done altogether or maybe he's done in Montreal uh, he says he has a contract and again is this him posturing? on his own behalf or, or is it, uh, the way he feels, uh, he sounds and he looks pretty burnt out. And, and yeah. that's consistent with, uh, Elliot Friedman's reporting who keeps saying that there's sources inside the organization that says, uh, Mark Bergevin, um, and now, now, you know, will, will next season change his mind? Um, I don't know, but he's, he's not positive about signing an extension, uh, and says he's just going to have uh, he, he's going to honor his contract for next year. So that's going to be an ongoing narrative to keep an eye on what's going on there. Yeah, that's a very interesting one. I mean, when you get to the question of who is going to be running the hockey team, who is going to be making the front office decisions, that's a very high question to ask. So uh, that's going to be very interesting to see how that all unfolds. And of course, that might have a lot to do with how other decisions get made as well. But uh, Rick, uh, this has been obviously, um, you know, there's a lot to unpack here. As we said at the very start of this show, there's a lot to unpack at the end of a, of a playoff run where you fall just short of a Stanley Cup final. So getting to hear from these players and get to reactions as well, 
there's there's a lot to unpack with this, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how into this offseason some of these things turn out, like with Ben Sherratt and the, and the expansion draft, who exactly is going to be taken by the Seattle Kraken. We're going to find out pretty pretty soon enough, actually. So all these questions going to have a, a couple of answers uh, within the month. And shortly after that, the Canadians have 11 sec, uh, selections yep. in the NHL entry draft. So, uh, no, uh, the, you know, they won't be anywhere near the, the top. But uh, Will Mark Bergevin, um, there's, there's also, in addition to... Uh, picking the amateurs, there's usually some trade activity that happens around yeah. the entry draft. And and will Mark Bergevin make use of his draft capital to try to uh, fill some of the holes? There's a lot of there's a lot happening and and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of storylines for us to cover here. Yeah, and we're very excited to see what happens next. Uh, so Rick. We'll take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we'll have the Have Your Say segment. We'll get to some answers of the question of the week from the All Habs team. What was your favorite moment of the Habs Cup run and more? So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 144 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. And Rick, uh, mentioning Facebook there, uh, the All Habs fan page on Facebook, the interactions that we've been getting on social media, 
during this Habs magical playoff run have have just been incredible. Unbelievable. Um, I'm 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 amazed to to see the growth in that page. If you you haven't found your way there yet, uh, it's facebook.com slash all Habs, all one word, all Habs, and um, and the the interactions between Habs fans. Uh, in every province, in every state, uh, North America, but also around the world. The, the, the folks that were getting up uh, in the middle of the night in Europe, in Indonesia, yeah. in, in Asia, in like everywhere, uh, this was a big deal and they wanted to talk about it and they wanted to interact with other Habs fans and they were doing that on the All Habs uh, fan page on on Facebook, we had uh, we, our reach was out to 1.6 million fans. Uh, the growth of the page. Uh, make sure you like the page so that uh, uh, our content will come up in your timeline. And and uh, the, the growth. We we just want to thank you uh, for um, for finding our page, for sharing our page on your social media, for inviting your friends uh, to see our content, and then finding your way to allhabs.net uh, to our website. Uh, it's been it was a wonderful um, uh, playoff run uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, but also for Rocket Sports and All Habs Hockey Magazine. We were able to be in touch with so many of you, and and uh, the emails, the texts, the the interactions on social media. We really want to thank you for that because that energized us. It helped yeah. us get our content out, and uh, and and give us new ideas. And and we're always uh, we're always excited to hear from you. So thank you. Uh, we're going to be moving into a, a new season for the Canadians Connection. Uh, we're going to uh, be making some cha- uh, upgrades and on allhabs.net. We're going to be adding some equipment. We're going to be doing a lot of things in the offseason very quickly. Uh, yeah. And we're going to stay <laughs> with you the, the whole way so that uh, we can take advantage of that. I should say I want to thank to the, the team um, at uh, at Rocket Sports, you guys have all been tremendous, and and not only the content you put out, but uh, our own internal Slack group that uh, the the conversation, the, the yeah. analysis, the the rituals, the everything. Uh, what a great bunch of people to to work with, and we have a great time um, over the summer. We might add a person or two, so if if you have the qualities of having that commitment to uh, join a tremendous team, really talented team, um, then uh, reach out to us and, and, uh, and we'll, we'll look at that too. But um, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just very grateful. I'm grateful for you, my partner every week ah. um, and, uh, and the, the all Habs team and our wonderful uh, hockey community that uh, stays in touch with us um, every day of the year. Well, Rick, uh, there's a lot of conversation about leadership this week, and we want to thank you for your tremendous leadership, much in the same way of Carey Price and Shea Weber. <laughs> so, Rick, uh, we'll move on, and uh, as we said, uh, the internal Slack group, we had the question of the week, and we threw it out in the Slack group about what the favorite memories are, favorite moments of this Habs Cup run, and we got some interesting answers and, you know, we got them from Brian, the commissioner as you, uh, of Yahoo, the fantasy sports leagues, fantasy hockey, fantasy football. But I think, Rick, I, I don't I don't mean to go out on a limb here and, and pick favorites, but Ben, Ben Danku does the all the Habs fan forum on the all Habs YouTube. My gosh, he just had a had a whole laundry list of, of favorite memories. He was <laughs> and Brian was great, too. He's got a great a number of them in there. Mike Rashel as well. But yeah, lots of great memories to choose from here. 
For sure. Um, uh, for Ben, uh, we talk uh, the the uh, about the Kakinami bearing the overtime winner uh, to win the round. His his big beaming smile. The one I really liked was Lekkonen, uh yeah. his overtime winner against uh, Vegas. That was unbelievable. You, you mentioned it before. The two on zero, Caulfield and Suzuki. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, there's 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 so many um, and and it's funny that um, there was uh, so many amazing moments, so many amazing memories, and uh, that was for the skaters for the most part. If we looked at Carey Price and the goaltender, there could be as yeah. many uh, to talk about again, and yeah. and even off the ice uh there was Bergevin's uh lucky red suit there was mm-hmm. uh the image of Gallagher uh with yeah. blood streaming down his his face uh there was you mentioned before the 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 red swollen eyes of of Jeff Jeff, uh, Jeff Petrie. Petrie yeah uh there was the you know the the fans celebrating in the after covid and everything we've been through the fans celebrating in the streets in in Montreal again uh, on the ice, off the ice, on social media, there's been so many amazing moments through uh, this uh, unexpected uh, Canadians Cup run, uh, and we're glad that we were uh, part of of every single one, and uh, and 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 that you were right there along with us, our listeners to uh, the Canadians Connection. Absolutely, yeah. There's so much, and you know the Corey Perry coming down the tunnel with the bloody nose and the. Yep. Oh, man, there's just so much to choose from uh, with this run. But, yeah, as you said, you could just make a whole list of carry price saves, and that would be it. But, yeah, just a lot to choose from. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, a lot of fun to look back on this run a few years, even though I know the players aren't going to be able to do that and, and sort of, you know, separate from the fact that they didn't win. But a lot of individual moments throughout this run that are going to be remembered very, very fondly. Uh, by Montreal Canadiens fans uh, for a long time. So, uh, Rick, with that said, um, we usually always tee up what games are coming up for the Montreal Canadiens. We we can't really do that this week, but we can tell you that the NHL season starts on uh, October 12th. So there's that. And uh, that the critical dates calendar uh, t- talks about a, a schedule for the 2021-22 season coming out in mid-July. That would make it next week. So mm-hmm. uh, we may have that to talk about next week as well. And, and uh, we'll be looking at uh, the Montreal Canadiens returning to the more traditional division uh, yeah. and the challenges uh, that that uh, presents. And, um, oh, man, we've got all kinds of stories to talk about. So mm-hmm. make sure you're with us week to week. Make sure you tell your friends. Make sure that you've subscribed to the Canadians Connection. And while you're at it, subscribe to the Press Zone Montreal as well. Absolutely. You don't want to miss an episode of the Press Zone Montreal podcast either. Uh, fantastic show every week with yourself and Amy Johnson. But, yes, Rick, uh, we should say once more, Thank you to all of the listeners that followed along this run every week here on the Canadians Connection podcast, took time to listen to our show, to interact with us on the All Habs fan page, on Twitter, via text or email. We, we really appreciate it. And uh, we'll say thank you once again for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.